Welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Hi, this is Ken Blanchard. We need a new leadership model in business today, one that values both people and results, where leaders see their role as serving instead of being served. In this podcast, my friend and colleague, Chad Gordon, interviews experts who help us explore different aspects of leadership. I know you'll be encouraged and inspired by what you hear and you'll walk away with ideas and insights that will help you be the type of leaders others want to follow. Ready to get started? I'll be back at the end of the interview where I'll share what I've learned and how I'll be putting it into action. Now enjoy this installment of the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Bill Treasurer, welcome to the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing terrific, Chad, and I am thrilled to be able to spend time with you and all the Blanchard listeners. You know, I'm a giant fan of Ken Blanchard, so I'm really honored to be here with you today. Super excited to dig into your latest book, Leadership, Two Words at a Time, Simple Truths for Leading Complicated People. What drove you to put pen to paper on this book? You know, I've been really fortunate like Ken, he's a leadership development practitioner, and I've been doing this for, I don't know, about 25 years. And I get to work with leaders every single day. I worked with leaders yesterday in Chicago. I will be with them again a month from now. I worked with other leaders the week before that in Saratoga Springs, New York. I do it all the time. This is what I do. I travel on the road and I get to work with leaders. So I there's a lot of things, Chad, that I can't do. But I'm fortunate in that I have gotten to work with thousands of leaders over the years and it struck me over time that particularly leaders, as they're making transition from individual contributor to a leadership role, nobody hands them a playbook. And a lot of them have to sign, kind of like flounder through the process of learning how to be a leader. And yet I had worked with these thousands of leaders who've been able to navigate that transition successfully. And I learned something from them. So I thought I could take that material and codify it into a book and allow it to become kind of the playbook that will help a new leader transition into their new leader role, not just so that they become a leader, but so they stay a leader. There's such great nuggets in here, and and I think you you explained it so well. I mean, this really is deter- this this is this book is really set up for somebody more than anything who is is moving into that role as a leader. And there are so many people taking on leadership roles on a daily, hourly, minute by minute basis. It could also be used for people that have maybe haven't been leading effectively and want to reset. But when you think about the new leader, what you know, what do you advise them when they first get into that role about understanding what they bring to the table and how? They they can be more effective. No, the first thing I would say is take a deep breath. I know that they're going to freak out a little bit. They're going to move into the role. They might even start with a little honeymoon period where they're super excited, they're a little bit nervous, and then maybe two, three months they get into it and they get subsumed with their responsibilities. They start to freak out. They start to question themselves. They start to lose confidence. The two words that I would say, hold on, hold on, take a deep breath. A lot of people have successfully made this transition. Start with why you want to lead, who put you in this role, and why did they put you in this role? What did they see about you that they thought you would be able to lead others? What contribution do you want to make with your leadership? And take a deep breath and 
decide to engage, decide to engage with this transition instead of run away from it, because plenty of people have gone through this. Yeah, it's a delicate navigation, but you can make it too. One of the things that we teach here at Blanchard is is what we call our leadership point of view. And it's really understanding what you value in others, what you value in yourself, what you've learned to value because of other leaders in your life. How important is it to know um, uh, define what your values are. And then, and then the tricky part is actually living by them. So, so important. I, in fact, it's really the first chapter in the book. I mean, I have an introduction chapter, but the first chapter officially is know thyself, right? Leadership has to start with a degree of self-awareness and absolutely understanding what your values are, knowing what you stand for, what you stand against, what influenced that value system? There's a whole little section called value values. So you have to understand, and you know, I know there's a lot of emphasis these days placed on understanding your strengths. So because there's a lot of passion with your strengths, you'll have a lot of energy with your strengths. Those things are important. And you have to also understand for yourself the overuse of those strengths. What shadow does it cast? I'll talk about sunshine and shadows that you bring your contribution, the talents, the gifts, and such that you want to nurture. But those also can come with a certain shadow beyond a certain point. And you have to be aware of those too. So you have to identify your strengths and also the overuse of your strengths. But understanding yourself at a values level is important because the values are what provide ballast. You're going to meet a lot of changes when you're in a leadership role. You have a lot of fickle people around you. You're going to have changing circumstances. You're going to have anxiety-provoking situations. And you have to be stable in that. You have to be grounded, centered, and values provide that. Values, you're going to have to be flexible and adaptable, but not when it comes to principles and values. So identifying that is super important. And you mentioned it too, in terms of the leadership point of view. Who are the people who influenced your leadership? Who are the people that you came up under that influenced your value system. You have to understand your own backstory. Sometimes it rewinds to your parents. In my case, it actually rewinds to a grandmother who who influenced me first, your first bosses, your first coaches, the people who helped you develop your point of view that you have now, because you have one and you need to be aware of what it is. What's always interesting, I find, is and I don't know if this is a flaw in the person or or the process or the organization, but sometimes the worst of leadership is when the pressures are coming from above, the market, the numbers, the things like that, where, where, where people, their best intentions, hopefully, kind of go out the window. How do you see and how do you coach people who are in a, a you know, a, a an organization that's hard charging and and really about the numbers and and maybe it's quarterly, maybe it's daily, maybe it's monthly, but how do you maintain, you know, those values and those principles and being the leader you want to be when you you're up against it. And sometimes you have external pressures from above that are, that are having you push harder than you want to push for results. Yeah. I, I would say, be aware of the consequences that all behavior has a consequence, good or bad. And this idea of, if you freak out, Right. If if you are freaking out as the leader and your decibel of freaking out is six and you're transmitting that to people at a six, that's not how they receive it. They receive it at an at an eight, decibel eight, and then they carry it to somebody else at a decibel nine or ten. So your composure 
in leadership is super important not to freak out because freaking out has so many consequences. There will always be temptations to pull you out of your own centeredness, your own reasonability. Gosh, reasonability is so important to leadership, but it get, we get tempted out of it by pressure. You know, one thing that there's a chapter in the book that we call Cultivate Composure. And this is, I love what Ken Blanchard says, right? Like, how do you start your day? It's such a critical question. Do you start your day by listening to some political shock jock radio with full of angertainment? Are you watching the TV? Are you stuffing down a taco burrito as you're heading to work? Are you yelling at your kids, chugging coffee? Or do you ease into your day and cultivate composure, those two words, you know, I think starting your day with some daily reflection. I love Ben Franklin's two questions that he bookended his day with. He'd start the day with, what good in the world do I want to do today? Start with reflection, meditation. It doesn't have to be long, by the way. It could literally be five minutes. A simple page in a reflective, meditative book, thinking about the good you want to put in the world today. And then at the end of the day, reflect back on what good in the world have I done today? Because the world around you, especially at work, There's going to be pressures. There will be insanity some days at work, but you have to bring the sanity to yourself. You can be the calm in the midst of all that storm. And it's important that you do. I love that. I think that's one of the things that, that, that many of us don't get right, where you actually sit and reflect, you just jump right back into the sausage making factory. And (laughs) it's such great advice. You know, we had Robert Green on here and we talked Mm. about his book mastery. You talk about being better for everyone through self-mastery. So how do you approach that? Because one of the best aspects of the best leaders, they're continually trying to improve. They're trying to sharpen their sword, so to speak. So how do you approach self-mastery? Yeah, that's a it's a great question. I appreciate it. I'll tell you this, that going into the practice of leadership development, that originally I got into leadership development uh, because I was a bad leader. And somebody gave me the feedback that I was a bad leader and I got defensive. And once I got past my defensiveness, I realized he was right. And the first book that I picked up on leadership was a book by a guy named Ken Blanchard. And uh, and he, I think he wrote it with Spencer Johnson, right? It's the one minute manager. And, and that helped me become a better leader. But I found that in my work with leadership development, It helps me be a better person. Like yesterday, I'm talking about values to people. I'm talking about psychological safety with people. We're introducing concepts like emotional intelligence. And this is in a construction company where these terms aren't the norm. And it it helps me be a better person by conjuring up these important topics with these groups that can benefit by them. So one of the practices is actually just being in your own world. What are you bringing into the world? For me specifically, there's a book that I read every morning now. It's called The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. I really like it. It brings me ancient wisdom from over 2,000 years ago from people like Marcus Aurelius and Seneca and Cato and Epictetus and all these great thinkers from the past. It gives you a simple paragraph, usually a quote. And and I read it and I'm like, oh my God, Chad, the quote is from 2000 years ago, but it's hitting me today with its relevance. And then it gives you a little something to reflect on. So I start my day with that. Even if I go out of town, I take a picture of the daily reading so that when I'm, I could just pull up my photo and just look at it and read that instead of having to lug the whole book with me. Um, and then physical work. I like taking giant walks that are like an hour and a half up a mountain here where I live in Asheville, North Carolina. 
with no podcast. <laughs> Sorry about that, Chad. But yeah. sometimes I like to be free of any electronic impulse because I need to take my brain for a walk, like you would take your dog for a walk. I need to let my brain have free reign. I go on a walk with my brain, and then ideas come to me and thoughts come to me, and and it, it's telling me what it wants to think about. Sometimes I might go with intention, but those are the specific practices that I have: my long walk and my daily reading, and then bringing myself into my world, practicing, you know, talking about the communicating about these things in a very secular way, right? Like you take the world that's right in front of you and bring your best into that world. And practice your own value system daily with what's confronting you in the world. There's there's so many more nuggets. I mean, we're really talking about leading self and a lot of the ways that we've just, you know, a lot of the topic areas that we've talked about. There's so many more nuggets in this book. But let's shift over to the true goal and the true need of, of, of a leader. It's leading others. It's leading people. And so, again, as someone is coming into a new role where they're going to suddenly have a bunch of eyes looking up towards them for guidance and some support and direction – where does somebody begin if they if they're taking on this role and all of a sudden they've they're responsible for other people's development? Where do you advise them to start? Yeah, a couple of things come to mind. And I actually had a conversation with Ken one time about this. I I basically said to him, it was at a awards dinner. We were both sitting at a table in the in the far back. I was lucky enough to have been uh, sat at a table before he got there. And then he sat at the table with Margie. And I asked him, he might not remember this, but why do we still have jobs? I said, people have instantaneous access to contemporary management thought. And yet there are a lot of leaders still have a hard time. They still struggle honestly with the leading people element. And he said, Bill, I think it sometimes comes down to like 15 minutes. He said, if every leader that they were working with, that, that the people that reported to them, if they spent just 15 minutes every week or two individually away from the office and the important thing was and i've it's always stuck with me have a conversation with them about them it has nothing to do with the status of their project with some goal that they're doing for you with some skill that they have that they need that you need them to develop it's about them taking an interest in them to make these deposits of caring into them to show them that they're not invisible that they matter, that you see them as important by asking them questions like, how are things going? How are things going outside of work? What's important to you right now? What's something that you're wanting to get done in your as you're working here that maybe I could help you with? It's making these investments so that the times that you do have to status the work, they realize that you're on their side. You're not out to harm them. You're not out to get them. You could call it the idea of servant leadership. So that's one place that I would start. The other thought that I've got is that I think that one of the most productive things that a leader can do, Chad, every week, maybe every two weeks, get out of the office, go to a coffee shop with a yellow pad and a piece of paper, or bring your phone if that's what you choose to you know, type stuff down on, and be thinking about each individual who reports to you. What does this person need? six months from now? What do they need 12 months from now? What do they need 18 months from now? Individ like Reflect. In the same way you reflect in the morning to start your day in a composed way, reflect on the individual that you are privileged to lead about what their needs and wants are and figure out how you can help get that there. Alone, with, without 
you've already conversed with them in the 15 minutes. This is you reflecting on them, each person who reports to you, away from the chatter and interruptions of work. It may feel like it's not being productive. I can't think of anything more productive. It's staying out in front, which would, that's what your job as a leader is to stay out in front. And by thinking forward, what this person needs six, 12, 18 months from now, you're being responsible for them. Our trust building program here at Blanchard, we have our, our uh, practice leader, Randy Conley. He likes to open up sessions and, and basically says, hey, raise your hand if you feel like you're trustworthy. And <laughs> everybody in the room raises their hand. But then he says something the effect of, are there instances with people where there's broken trust and maybe you're not communicating with them anymore because of something that's happened here and there. And then almost every hand goes up. So it's, it's kind of like that, you know, you, you know, we're all above average drivers and, but then rubber meets the road uh, and and you find out. So you put a lot of um, stake into and in, in building trust first. How do you go about as a leader kind of creating that and, and nurturing that not just for lip service and for visuals, but you, you really truly want to, become that trustworthy leader. Yeah. Trust is so important, right? It's like elemental. And I love the book that uh, Ken and Randy wrote on trust, simple truths, right? And, uh, and trust is, and I included a chapter in my book called trust first and trust takes courage. That's why that's the idea of trust first is, you know, a lot of people have this posture of I'll trust you. Sure. I'll trust you. When you prove to me, you can be trusted. You have to prove it to me. I want to see evidence that I can trust you. At some point, you've got to put down your weapons, get disarmed, become emotionally available and frankly vulnerable, which is a different kind of courage, and be the first one to trust. So trusting first, and one of the ways that you can build trust, and this is you know what comes to mind, I'll sometimes ask this of groups of people. I want you to think, and I'll ask you right now, you know, Chad, to think about, think about somebody who listens to you really well, the best listener in your life. And my question to you is, do you have a good or bad relationship with that person? You know, so, so how about that for you, Chad? If, you know, think about somebody who's a great deep listener for you. Do you have a good or bad relationship with them? Yeah, I, for me, connection is so important, and how people really express that connection to me is is when I'm speaking, they are not waiting to say the next thing. They're really they're really dialed in. So that to me is a really trustworthy person. It's such a it's such an important piece of the trust building is that I'm attending to you. I am fully present to you. I am interested in what you are saying. You end up feeling valued and you know I'm not going to harm you because I'm caring for you just by putting my finger on my mouth and not saying a word while you're talking and being interested and ingrained in that. So one of the ways that we build trust with people is to give them the space to express themselves to us and we allow ourselves to be present for them while they're doing that and hold that and then of course honor what they're saying so building trust you might think about who is the person who deeply listens to you how good of a listener are you who are the people you have very trustful relationships with and what are different about those relationships and how could you bring those into the relationships that you have with the people that you're privileged to lead to bring trust and recognize and this is the part that that makes trust sometimes hard it does come with a risk right there's oh, even the 
the most, uh, even some of the people in your life that have the, enjoyed the best relationships with you occasionally will let you down. If you want to call it betrayal, you could call it that. Sometimes it's a you know big level betrayal. Mostly it's a small, I, I showed up late for the thing that I said I was going to show up to, or maybe I didn't show up at all and had to send you an email afterwards. So betrayal occasionally happens, but all of us have to take the, assume the risk of that if we want to be in a trustful relationship with people. We've got time for just a couple more questions. Um, again, there's so much more in this book. So um, we'll share more at the end on on where you can find and, and learn more about it. But when you think about, and this is this has always been important, but it's it's so much the forefront right now about creating a just, fair, and equitable workplace and, and really promoting inclusion. The challenge is always um sometimes people will will bring to work often their experiences and their background and and what they surround themselves with. So how do you as a leader and you as a as a as a coach to other leaders, how do you help people become more inclusive when we're all guilty in some way shape or form of bringing our own backgrounds and and our own experiences to the table maybe on purpose or not really? Yeah. What I do, I carry in my pocket something that a friend of mine, uh, her name is Gloria Cotton. She's a DEI expert. And she says, and I, and I resonates and I'll say it with you and it'll resonate, but there are six things that all human beings want. And I carry the simple words in my pocket. I, I literally took them out of my wallet so that I could recite them to you here. Everybody wants to feel welcomed. When it comes to meeting a new group, being involved with a group, if I'm going to be a member of a team, I want to feel welcomed. Secondly, I want to feel valued. I want to feel like I can make a contribution and you value the contribution made. I want to feel respected. I want to feel like I'm going to be able to speak and people will not shut me down. I want to be heard. I want to be able to have a voice in the process of our decision making. I want to be understood when I am heard. So feedback to me what I said to make sure that we have understanding and once I am able to be welcomed and heard and valued and respected on the team, I also want to be supported. So we all like to be welcomed, valued, respected, heard, understood, and supported. And I carry those words with me. Some of it will be based on your own experience. It's it's hard to be inclusive if you've lived a life that have excluded others along the way, whether through elitism or through some unique privilege that you've got. Uh, and to be able to have people, you know, have be open to being more inclusive. You almost have to have it, your own experience of it. I could tell you in my own life, I grew up around biases that I didn't know that I had until I started to date a girl who was in a uh, multi-mixed family, that she was a white girl and her mom had remarried a black guy. And so her family was interracial. And that was an eye-opening experience to me, to be able to now break bread with people who came from a different culture than I did uh, and start to enjoy watching Green Bay Packer games with them and eat Thanksgiving dinner with them. And suddenly them aren't them, they are us. Uh, it took that experience to re- help me recognize biases that I had that I didn't know I had until I was able to have that unique experience. All right. So two more questions here. Uh 
This is one of my favorite questions because there's a lot of a lot of ways to approach it. As a leader and as an individual contributor, oftentimes some of your best leadership is when you're leading those that you actually are working with and for. So tell me the secret sauce to leading up and knowing that that the people that you potentially report to, the leaders in your organization, they may be immune to some of these uh, some, of, <laughs> some of these things. What what? How do you yeah. approach leading up and and helping? You know, really being the the best you can be to all levels of the organization. Yeah, the, the first thing I would say is be very clear on the goals of the people that you are reporting to, which should should stem from the goals and the initiatives at the strategic level of the organization. But your own department goals, your own division goals your own boss's goals, you want to be crystal clear of what those are. And if they're vague to you, then have a conversation to get clear around them. And the second thing I would say is establish agreement with the person that you report to about the working relationship with you. For example, does your boss want you to be a truth teller? And simply ask them that question. Almost all bosses will say yes, that they do, because it'll be bad for them if you're not a truth teller. And then this second part is super important to that process, Chad. If you get agreement from your boss that, yes, in fact, they want you to be a truth teller and not a brown noser, then you have to ask them, can you give me some coaching on how I can deliver messages to you in a way that you'll be receptive to them when you hear them instead of maybe feeling like I'm challenging your authority? Can you give me a little coaching on what's the best way to give you difficult messages when I have to send them to you? So get agreement with them that, in fact, they want you to be a truth teller and then get coaching from them on how to do that. It's really important that you do because you'll never be able to move to senior executive roles unless you're able to figure out how to successfully navigate and lead the people who lead you leading up. All right. This is uh, how we end every podcast. So everybody that listens to Leader Chat knows what's coming. If you could think of one thing if you think about our conversation today, one takeaway, if they only remembered this, what would it be uh, for all of our great listeners out there? It maybe stems as an implication from everything we talked about. And I'll give it to you in two words, since my book is Leadership Two Words at a Time. Be courageous. Be courageous. That means the courage to be vulnerable, the courage to do uncomfortable things, to move into your discomfort zone, to have the uncomfortable conversations, to allow yourself to learn and listen. Be willing to get outside where the skinny branches are and get into the discomfort zone. I would say that the most important thing for new leaders, any leaders, seasoned leaders, be courageous and then stay courageous. So many great insights. Leadership two words at a time, a fantastic book. Make sure you check it out. Bill Treasure, thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to connect with us. If if our listeners want to connect closer with you, where would you send them? Easiest thing to do would be go to couragebuilding.com. You'll find my link. You'll find my email address. Just go to couragebuilding.com. Bill, thank you so much. Thanks for your time. We appreciate your insights, your expertise, and your passion here on the Blanchard Leader Chat Podcast. Thank you so much. A great honor for me, and I love the work of the Ken Blanchard organization. So thanks so much, Chad.
And thank you for joining us for today's podcast. If you enjoyed this interview and like to learn more and also help us grow the audience, please subscribe to the Leader Chat podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, or wherever you're listening. And please share this with your friends. The best way you can help us grow, though, is feedback. As Ken Blanchard says, feedback is the breakfast of champions. So please write us a review if you haven't already. And by the way, this podcast is sponsored by the Ken Blanchard Companies. If you'd like to learn more, there's even a lot of free resources to better yourself and your organization. Go to KenBlanchard.com. You'll find all kinds of free tools and materials to help you and others grow. Thanks again to our guests for joining us today. For now, I have the pleasure of turning it over to Ken Blanchard for his thoughts on what we discussed. Here it is, your final minute with Ken Blanchard. Chad, thanks for interviewing Bill Treasurer. As he said, he's a raving fan of mine, and I'm a raving fan of his. Why? <clears throat> because we're both teaching simple truths, and that's what his book is all about. And I love the subtitle, of simple truths for dealing with complicated people. Who are complicated people? Everybody. <laughs> and so it's just it's really powerful. And he, it takes you on this journey from, you know, you get your first leadership job. What do you do? You don't charge in and start to lead. You start to think about who you are. What are your values? What uh, makes you tick and all? And then you start to say, okay, now that I'm leading, how can I uh, deal with other people? How do I sit and talk with them to, so they know that I'm on their side and I want their help uh, in being an effective leader? And then how do you lead up? You know, the people that report, that you're reporting to, how do you get uh, best with them? And so I just, uh, just really love his stuff. And he starts off with saying, you know, find out about yourself. You know, what makes you tick? You know, and, and find out about on leading others and then your boss and it all comes together beautifully so chad you're a good man and bill you're not bad either uh i think uh read his book about uh leadership two words at a time simple truths for dealing with complicated people which is dealing with everybody so i love it i'm excited about it and I'm excited that you can learn from Bill and from his book. Take care of yourself. All the best. Mm-hmm.